Welcome to From Fear to Fire, secrets to overcome fear, embrace your gifts, and achieve success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill and I am your host. And today's quote is by F. Scott Fitzgerald. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Love that one. We have an incredible and absolutely fascinating guest for you today. Mario Bekes grew up in communist Croatia, which at the time was part of Yugoslavia. And he witnessed a lot of social unrest before finding himself in the middle of the Croatian war uh, around age 18. Mario Bekas is a natural leader, public speaker, result-driven, best-selling, published book author, relationship builder, and facilitator with experience in investigative techniques and interviewing, interrogation methods, corporate human and competitive business intelligence. Over the past 30 years, Mario has conducted various types of investigations in government sectors, Department of Defense, Department of Foreign Affairs, corporate and insurance sector. Mario's mission is to change one life at a time. Using his life experiences and those of his talk show guests on his radio talk show and podcast, Life the Battlefield. Welcome, Mario. Thank you, Heather, for having me. And thank you to all your listeners of this great podcast. Uh, It's a great privilege to talk to you, Heather. Thank you. Well, it's a privilege to have you on here. Now, I would love, if you don't mind, to begin by you telling us a little bit about your background. It's so fascinating. And, you know, you've gone (laughs) through a tremendous amount of pain. Would you be able to share a little bit about your childhood and communism and war? Absolutely, Heather. Look, we always start my introduction to people, be careful what they wish for. Mm. And um, uh, I truly believe that if you're really wishing something, it's going to come true. And me, I've been, you know, I was born in a in, in very poor family. The both parents were workers, and but they're by default, they're alcoholics, and uh, you know, they had that they reasons not to um, carry me anymore in their life. So, when I was age 14, my parents told me on Christmas Eve to leave the house. Um, and at that stage, I was, I was really wanting uh, to become the soldier. And I was too young, 14 years old, of course. But in communism, they had something very, very, very interesting. When you finish your primary school, uh, E8, you can you enroll either uh, for some occupation, some trade, or you know, or you can join to the armed forces in a type of like West Point, right? You go in a, a high school, and then you go in academy. And I was not bright uh, tool in a shared head. I was very, very naughty boy and have a journal six months before that. But that night on a Christmas Eve, 1987, uh, 86 of August, my grandfather um, took me under his wing. He was um, he was in charge in Commerce Yugoslavia or City Police. Uh, very very well respected man, but you know his grandson was not very well uh, behaved. So bottom line is he used his influence to send me military school. Um, then 1991, after all these ordeals, you know, becoming young communists, believing in. 
you know, in, in everything what is a pure communism. Um, we had a, a civil war broke out in Yugoslavia in 91, and um, I stood up to fight for the democracy. For democracy, mo for me, was Coke, um, I mean, Coca-Cola, not Coke, <laughs> Coca-Cola, McDonald's, rock and roll, and, uh, you know, a fall under those, that influence. And I went in the war. Um, then being 18 years old, um, you believe that you know everything. And uh, life um, gave me the big challenges then. Uh, I openly uh, enjoyed war at the first stage. Then, you know, start uh, enjoying um, illicit substances, alcohol, of course. I become the war junkie. And I spent almost 1,800 consecutive combat days in, in a war because um, there was no, you know, organized structure and um, they were slowly building the, uh, the system. And the war was very, very, um, very much influencing my behavior in, in the future, uh, which uh, I stayed till 98. Uh, and um, I finished my career 98 in May. It was a two days ago, it was a 24 years I left. Mm. On the day when I was leaving, it told me, you are a great uh, asset to us. And I said, asset? I said, yes. And um, uh, instead of resigning from military, they transferred me to the Department Foreign Affairs. Mm -hmm. uh, then this was called Directorate 7, uh, Foreign Counterintelligence Services. And I've been sent in Australia. But being born in communism, you know nothing better. Uh, had the people, uh, they don't know how lucky they are being born in freedom, born in society which you can choose things. Um, and once in communism, you'll be always be branded as a, uh, as a worker, right? Very small percentage of people will become uh, doctors or lawyers and, you know, that, that cream de la cream of society. And I always wanted to become soldiers. So you see how the work <laughs> life actually gave me what I wanted. I become soldier. And then um, eventually I eventually after military, I told you in, in, in foreign affairs. So life brought me to Australia. Wow. <laughs> you know, it sounds... You, like, it, did you say 1,800? That's, that's correct. Yes, that's correct. Because it, yeah. It's amazing to me. I can't even wrap my head around that. Five years, a little bit less than five years. I started on July 1491 and officially ended up uh, 96 war ended. And at that stage, and look, there was a civil war. So we've gone through the procedures, you know, mean to become the uh, independent state. Mm -hmm. Uh uh, people don't understand one thing. Uh, when war broke out, people like my parents, my father, my father was the first one who ran away. Mm. So the who defended the country was uh, middle class kids and uh, lower class. Uh, and, you know, as the people slowly start coming back, you know, they started that recruitment process and educating new military. But at that stage, you know, you were so deep embedded into this um, because the, the first uh, liberating uh, operations started uh, 95 in May, lasting till the mid-August. Then we liberated Croatia, but it was so 91 to 95, it, it was consecutive um, combat days. And um, even we had a UN, um, that doesn't help very much, people didn't understand. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted always, I always wanted um, something more on my life. And I do remember some sequences in my life, you know, I didn't want to die didn't want to die in a war without experiencing life. Mm -hmm. And there was always this passion in me to see something more from the world and travel the world. And then you know how people say to you, 
stop stop imagining you're nothing good you know nothing mm. you know you know you're never gonna be nothing you're never going to achieve nothing and you know just be put where you are and i was like uh there must be something more for me there yeah. so yeah yeah so i have several questions regarding please that. um you know, I think a lot of people, even though they may not be able to um, relate to being in the situation that you were in with the combat and, and communism and, and where you grew up, they can relate to external people telling them that they can't follow their dreams or they're not enough, because unfortunately, that happens around the globe, right? So how did you listen to that voice inside of you how did you build that so that it was stronger than those external voices i always wanted to achieve something in my life and you know as i said when you're born in system i was born by parents you're born they don't have no expectation and society sort of uh, puts you into the some type of the of the boxes right in the compartments where you belong by the birth and that's in communism you know when you are 14 years old they register you for the uh, like a stock for military right literally like a stock and you need to be always ready for that that war against you know nato us and everyone's our enemies and so on and i always wanted something more and more I was being told, you cannot do it. I wanted to do it. Yeah. And it's different now, Heda, in all, in speaking the truth, it's easier from this uh, perspective, this distance, looking my life backwards and say, I was a brave this and that. No, I wasn't. You know, I, I, was, a, I was afraid. I cried. And, you know, I wanted, I dreamed. And every time when I start dreaming, I wanted people to laugh to me. Mm. So something was broken in was broken in me, I break it and then I remake it on my own. I say, mm. okay, it cannot be it cannot be uh, worse than now it is. I need to try this. And our life is far too short to depend on other people's opinion. And you appreciate this, you know, tonight, if somebody told me 30 years ago that I will speak with the head of Hanson O'Neill in US, in all honesty, I will have the podcast with the lovely lady, you know, expert and, and, and the leader as yourself, Nobody will believe me. And I always wanted, I dreamed, I prayed, of course, I, I did. You know, I was an altar boy as well, you know, in primary school. But I always wanted something. Uh, and I realized that nobody's there to hold me and put me in the direction I want. Because people, either jealousy, either uh, they try to sabotage you. Mm -hmm. uh, then I decide, okay, if I fail, I'm going to fail on my own. And at least I tried. And I can do it. So that was my biggest drive uh, mm. always. If I don't do it, nobody will do it for me. And I was going to be stuck in the same place. And I was afraid, you know, mm -hmm. doing something. So, yeah. Mm, but that, that that inner drive is so powerful. And when you combine yes. it with the prayer and the, the perseverance, um, you have done so many incredible things to prove some of those people wrong, right? Yes. Now, you... Um, you were invited into foreign affairs. How did you get from there into being managing director of Insight Intelligence Group? So there's a, I think there's some pieces that we've missed. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, so uh, in the duration of my um, uh, secondment in Australia, uh, I knew that my time it has an expiring time, and I knew at exactly date when I need to go back in Croatia. Uh, for 
recuperation, new education trainings and being sent. And I always wanted to go into Washington. And Washington, it's an A1 post. You know, that's a, that's a creme de la creme. You know what I mean? It's a smokesboard of the diplomacy. Um, and I always want to go there. And I was being promised after I finished my secondment in Australia, I'm going to be awarded with the best position because, you know, distance of the Croatian Australia is very far away. Um, by that stage, I met a lovely lady here in Australia and I told her we can date for the next two years and then I need to leave you. And she was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Not exactly what the lady wanted to hear, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, like, I, I, you know, I, I was be honest and I said to her, look, like I'm working in embassy, um, and I can't tell you nothing more. And, you know, like slowly we, um, she, she built the trust towards me and everything else. And then one day she told me, look, um, I think I'm the mother of your child or our child. I was like, oh, okay, that's a new one. So, <laughs> and what it happened, I decided to stay in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then I really faced a dilemma in my life. I believe that I'll world owes me so one day when i leave diplomacy everybody's gonna run to me gonna offer me jobs the 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 dimes the dollars the gold (laughs) it wasn't the case um my son was a born uh and my first job was being the bouncer then cleaning the floors in hotel and then i realized that actually world owes me nothing that i was too cushy too too um how said this said uh, too comfortable in positions I did have before mm-hmm. and then I told myself I need to do better and then I need to uh, swallow my pride literally pride that everything what I've done so far means nothing because I'm now in a different country different environment my English sucks uh, and slowly you know take a tertiary education to university slowly building uh, you know steps in the corporation then comes gfc gfc was a shock for me because first of all he shook it as you remember <laughs> um uh, we lost the home uh, our marriage was going sideways my son was being diagnosed with epilepsy and i uh, in that moment i told myself this is the moment is going to define me or i'm going to be um, literally uh, nothing you know lost case and i started my business inside intelligence <laughs> and um, it was difficult because I didn't know nothing about business um, and that's what I said to people if you were going in business learn what the business it is talk to smart people like Aheda and uh, other smart people so I started my business inside intelligence and it took me three years before my first client comes on board and that was uh, for me was the uh, biggest uh, in the meantime I really lived, you know, I mean, from 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 borrowing money, you know, um, getting money from sides and try to sell things, and it was a difficult time for me to sell things in a, in a, in a pawn shop, right? But um, I wanted to believe, and there was a moment when you want to give up. Yeah. And then three years later, two thousand and twelve, my first client popped in, so it was a celebration. So. <laughs> I bet. You've grown quite a bit since that first client that that gave you the hope that, okay, this is real. I can do this. Keep going forward. And now it's expanded tremendously, hasn't it? Yes, it did. So now uh, we are a global provider. Uh, I started in Sydney. Um, My company, it's, it's, it's a reflection of me, but 
my company is not doesn't consist from me as a managing director. My company is a people who work in my company and my clients. And I always kept the same credo and a motto or with my very first client, I told him, if when I begged, you know, I was begging people, nobody wants to give you a job. Like people that don't know you. you know? It's, mm-hmm. I understand now. Um, but I always told this, if I fail with my first job with you, feel free to go outside in the world and tell everybody my company and myself, uh, we are not worthy. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was a shock. You know, nobody, nobody pitched for the world that way ahead. I like that right, way. right. That must have been a surprise. I didn't know better. I didn't know nobody to ask. I didn't have money to, to hire, nobody to teach me. And even today, I always say to people, it is not uh, what I think, but how you perform and how the clients um, uh, are praise, uh, praising us or you know give us a feedback so today we are providing globally uh, from sydney of course and now we're covering as well during the call it was a little bit difficult uh, singapore and uh, middle east mm-hmm. but uh, it comes back to the normal so like now it's uh, over 100 people on a field which i'm giving pride are great people and that's what they make this company great not just me Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Thank and it's you. so important to, you know, you were honest, you're, you're scrappy, you know, if, if yes. I'm doing a good job, then you can tell everybody. But then what happens is that when you do do a good job, they tell people too. And that's how the business really grows, right? Yes. yes. Not about you just going out telling everybody how wonderful you are. It's much better when somebody else does it, right? <laughs> yes, it is. But, you know, like and every, you know, I need to be prepared and everybody needs to be prepared. It's yeah. easy with everything is pink and rosy here that you agree with me. But there is a moment where the clients come back to you and say, this was bad. Uh-huh. And I can't just go backwards and say to somebody who is working for me, you've done a bad job. It's my reflection. I should be there. Mm-hmm. I can't be everywhere, but I was up front with my clients. If it's bad, call me. If we can't fix it, I'm happy to uh, to, to do different way, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, as I said, like, you know, feel free to tell everybody um, that uh, the company doesn't perform well. So mm-hmm. they appreciate this very much. And um, today is a different, today it's a much more professional. Today we are pitching differently. Uh, it's a team of the people who are, I'm very proud of them. They're working very hard. They're dedicated to the job. And I, I apply a simple rule. I always treat my employees as I want to be treated when I was working. Okay. And I treat the clients as, uh, you know, uh, as, as, as something is the best because after all, they pay the bills. So. Yeah. Wow. That respect is, is super important. Now, yeah. you know, um, you know, you mentioned about your English. I think you sound, I love your English. No. <laughs> I think you sound fabulous. But in, you've written several books with what you consider this, the non-English speaking person, how was that a struggle for you? What did you do to help you through that process? I truly believe uh, people like yourself, you know, like you, you're doing podcasts much more longer than many people I know. Um, when you take a step into public life, you need to be prepared to take the bullets. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me to translate this in a different way. When you're in the public, it's like you 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 facing the fire squad. And when I wrote my very first book, and I was screaming the way how somebody can notice my knowledge, and it's difficulties. Uh, difficulties was that uh, I coming from different background, different education, different uh, methods of the of the modus operandi investigations and so on. 
So I decided to write a book. And of course, Heather, uh, there was uh, many people around me who told me, don't do this, don't embarrass yourself. Yeah. It's uh, excitement when you finish very first book, which was mine was called Proximus. Uh, it was a close executive protection uh, uh, book. Um, and you get that book in your hands and then you need to give somebody to read. That's a critique. And then people start like a firing squad, right? Mm-hmm. And always come back to this thing. There's a difference between being um, uh, between uh, honesty and uh, sincerity because people, uh, when somebody's sincere, is going to say, oh, hey, that's a beautiful hair and everything else. So, Mario, you're looking beautifully you lost the weight. Actually, honest will be so like Mari look fat and bald, right? So, <laughs> but it's true. I guess like, look, I always want to be the stand-up comedian, but then I realized <laughs> I'm missing 95% of the English vocabulary, so that will not be good. But I love to entertain people. And so like, okay, second book, I wrote it, um, Competitive Intelligence, and uh, I start rolling these books. So my vocabulary, actually writing the books, I was being forced to learn English. Mm-hmm. And by learning English, I uh, taken my extra uh, my master's in art and intelligence, um, and I've been surrounded with uh, very good people after many bad decisions. Uh, I was being told by the one gentleman called Professor Clive Smallman, who is my mentor, and Professor Dr. Troy uh, Whitford. They both told me the same thing: it is not what you're by nature, but by nurture. Mm. So. Those two academics told me, you can finish university, you can write the books. And I'm like, come on, man. It's like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> me? So despite all my beliefs and despite all my um, struggles in life, I couldn't believe in process that I can accomplish the book. And I believe that people uh, have the obligation that pass their knowledge. So one book leads to another, to another, to another. Then I become in, um, uh, commissioned to write a book still the last thing i wrote it blood soccer soil which is a, a first book in trilogy it's it's about my life in communism and mm-hmm. you know crimea river story you know i was very sad and you know my life was bad and nobody loved me and so on um, and then some something happened beautifully i was i didn't know how to publish the book for the amazon right how to and somebody offered me would you like me to put you on amazon so like really he said, yeah, it's like a 10-minute job. You know, it's like, why did you not say? And I was, uh, I remember that stage in November last year, I was in uh, Dubai for work mm-hmm. and I got a phone call from my son. He told me that you are a bestseller on uh, four, three categories. And I said, what me? Come on, man. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard to admit it. But the point I try to make, if I can make this happen, uh, Heather, everybody can. You know, like I'm not exemption. I just had the belief in myself. I had belief in uh, what I'm doing. I didn't believe that I'm going to be successful. No, I wasn't. So as I said, like it's, a, I would like if I say, yes, I knew that I'm going to be successful. No, it's a long process. And uh, many times I was being told by people around me, you never congratulate yourself. You never enjoy an you know, accomplishment. And uh, you know, I never stopped that way. So, Believe in yourself and, and, and push forward, whatever you do. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I will say that it's a um, very powerful book and I would recommend it for sure that anyone out there listening and we'll give, we'll give everyone a chance to find out how to learn more about your books and you and your business and all of that. But I wanted to ask first, you have a, um, a term that you said that you, you decided to enter the boxing ring to face demons and fears. Oh, that's Look, good. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about Look, that. Look, I'm, 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 again, I'm inclined towards USA, right? My USA was always my Venice Beach, Rocky Balboa, yeah. <laughs> you know, all these things. Um, and the boxing was considered in Yugoslavia and communism, uh, the sport for the uh, thugs, right, and criminals and so on. Mm-hmm. But I started my career because, you know, I was being bullied in school and I want to retaliate, you know, I wanted to be, you know, Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. What happened in 2012, 2010 apart, excuse me, um, my son was diagnosed with a medical condition, got epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a shock for me and his mother. Oh, yeah. Um, um, you know, so they had a nine-year-old child, you know, like, and you don't know what's going to future is going to look like. And I was a little bit afraid how I'm going to tackle this. So anyway, we went one night on a... Uh, uh, ice skating in Sydney, ice skating winter, right? So it's a, it's a beautiful, you know, but they have an ice rink, you know what I mean? So like we're done. And my son says to me, I'm going on, on the ice. And I was a little bit afraid if it hits the head and so on. Yeah. And uh, what it happened, I, again, I dive deep into my uh, comfortable life. I start doing well in my life and I start putting weight. So again, about 30 kilos extra, about 150 kilos. I don't know how much I'd say in... Uh, in, uh, in, uh, in I'm not in good at those translations. Yeah, pounds, you know what I mean? Like, as I said, 300 pounds, like, you know what I mean? I could be on a TV show, my life, 600 pounds soon. And my son, he stepped on ice, and I was so embarrassed to step in and mm. because I was so fat. And then we had the ice cream. I could eat ice cream, of course, because I like sweets. And there was a big science there, uh, copper fighter, right? Uh-huh. And my son says to me, I fight the epilepsy if you go fight in the ring, right? You know, you, you're dream to be Rocky Balboa. And I said, come on, Mate, I'm 46 years old. I'm, I'm a senior citizen, like, doesn't work that way. <clears throat> so I mean, we made the wows and I competing since then. And this year, I'm going to compete on a tournament called Pan Pacific for the ma- Masters again. That's for the older people like myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I'm hoping when I win that uh, world title belt and then I'm going to stop because, but I want to challenge myself because it, it, it is not sport, you know, when you're a little bit older. <laughs> uh, it was a good deal with my son and um, I need to look at myself in the mirror. Uh, head. That was my biggest concern. And as a man, it was not, it was not pleasant sight to see yourself in the mirror and mm-hmm. try to preach your son about healthy life and then and that's need to face my demons and yeah. it helped me. I lost 40 something kilos, yeah. Wow. You know, I A, I love the challenge that mm. your son came <laughs> up with. And how could you not take that, right? I, I mean, uh, you had to do it, Mario. But yeah. also I love that there's this theme 
that I'm hearing from you about stepping outside of your comfort zone, that when you've been comfortable in your life, you knew there was this inner voice that said, you have to push past that. You have to do more. You have to extend yourself. And that is one of the things that I really want our listeners to walk away with, that Mm -hmm. wherever you are, if you're feeling that comfort, that complacency, you might want to push past, push through and yes. um, to get to where you really want to go. And it's That's a great, Heather, wonderful yeah. message. <clears throat> Thank you, Heather. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you, you take that message out this. Oh, of course. Now, this time is flying by. How yes. can um, people reach out to you? How can they find your books? How can they learn about your business? And we'll make sure to put any links, like I said, in, in the show notes. Yeah. But share with uh, with everyone right now if they're uh, with just waiting on the edge of their seat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, listen to this beautiful podcast, uh, uh, Fire to uh, Fire to Five, you know, mm-hmm. and... Um, your podcast header. I'd like to say thank you again for having me on your show. And everybody who's interested, feel free to reach me on LinkedIn or my website, uh, which is the easiest one, Mario Beckes, B-E-K-E-S dot com dot au. And that's going to lead you to my business com- and my company websites and, and, and everything else what I do. Awesome. Okay. And we will put that in there, like I said. So do you have um, either a favorite quote or some words of wisdom that you'd like to leave us with today, Mario? Okay, thank you. I have though something I come up with, not myself, with my coach, uh, Rodney Williams and uh, Myra Dronin. They're both professional boxing coaches. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been very well accepted in that circle of the young professional fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, like, oh, he, King Mario is coming because I'm, you know, it's loud and everything else. Um, you can't do something brave if you're not afraid. Mm. And I always say this, people, being afraid is okay. Doesn't mean you're covered. Doesn't mean that you are less worthy. But to achieve something, to do something brave, you must be afraid. And that's my quote. You can't do something brave if you're not afraid. And this is for everybody. doesn't matter what situation you face. doesn't matter what dream you dream and you want to reach the goal, key objectives. You'll be afraid. And it's okay to be afraid to, re- to, to do something brave. Mm, those are wonderful words to leave everyone with. Listeners, if you have enjoyed Mario and his stories, <laughs> then please share the episode out with your friends, out on social media. And always, we are open to you leaving us reviews. We love those. Thank you so much. And thank you, Mario. I really enjoyed the time with you. And I wish we had more time. Maybe we'll have to do it again sometime. We will, but <laughs> yeah. next time you might guess. That's just That's thank right. you very That'll much. That'll be fun too. Yeah. Thank you for having me as your guest in your podcast and uh, thank you to all your listeners for taking time to listen to this.